I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with longtime friend, fellow guardian, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hey everybody, good to be here, good to be here. Well, it is the week after Easter and we're preparing for a podcast and as some of you know we put out a little special edition podcast on Sunday. Easter Sunday. It was something that we really wanted to share about what Jesus meant when he said I go to prepare a place for you and something happened that was an unintended consequence of Yes, correct. What we did. We burst a few bubbles. Which we meant to. We were meaning to burst some bubbles, but it was for a reason. Right, not just for the purpose of bursting bubbles. And occasionally we're going to burst bubbles. But we burst bubbles because sometimes they block you from seeing a reality that is missed or veiled because of the bubble. They veiled the truth, and that's really the only reason we want to burst a bubble. And believe me, we don't take bursting bubbles lightly. This guy who had his bubble burst is a good person, a well-meaning person, and he just had his bubble burst and then didn't really listen to the rest of the podcast. He said it caused him to tune it out. To tune it out. The bursting bubble was in John 14, where he says, I go in my father's house are many King James, and really started with the Tyndale Bible, used this word mansion. Yeah. And we didn't attack the word mansion just to burst a bubble. No, no, but it was an egregious word to use. And we regret what happened afterwards because he tuned it out and said, I, I, that's a tradition that means a lot to me. I, I've always had this thought that I'm going to get a mansion in heaven. And you took that from me. And so I tuned it out. Yeah. In other words, he was looking forward to that day because somebody somewhere preached a whale of a sermon and it captivated his thinking. I've heard that sermon a bunch of times, and it's me, motivated me too. Me too. Me too. I, like we joked around about, we both thought for sure we were getting mansions. I mean, we laughed about it. Uh, I knew I was going to get a mansion, and uh, that's where we the guy tuned out, probably when we were joking about getting the mansion. So to him, it was negative. We're not getting a mansion. Right. But what we... 
what we missed, what he missed by tuning it out. And and for that, we're sorry. We, we That was not of our intention. Yes. So we do apologize for the way we said it, maybe, if it came across as, not maybe, apparently it did come across that way. Yes, and we know that we ring bells that can't be unrung. Yeah, good point. It's one of the good or bad elements to guardians of grace. We go straight for the truth in sometimes the the truth can be painful when the tradition captivated us so much and we held so dear to it that it's breaking our heart because we can go back in our mind's eye and and just re-visualize the sermon and the person who gave the sermon that captivated us, and we love that person. And we use it at funerals all the time to comfort people and say, well, he's in his mansion in heaven, and that brings comfort to people. And they'll say things about the person, nice things about a person. Oh, he's probably up there getting Wi-Fi in his mansion because he was, (laughs) you know, things like that. Yes, yes. Well, here's the thing, Steve. We don't want to say you don't get a mansion. We want to say that what he's talking about is so much better than a mansion in the sky. He's saying that I'm coming to you and make my... I'm not going to... Well, if you use the same word mansion, then he would say I'm making my mansion with you. Now, here, present tense. Yes, but that's not what he said. Let's do this in this podcast. We're going to dwell on what he did say, and you tell us if that doesn't turn out to be good news. And you'll see that, as Jesus said in Mark seven twelve and other places, the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. And yes. that's what happened made the word of God of no effect because of a tradition. Yes, yes. So in the last podcast, we showed verse by verse that Jesus was not talking about building mansions in John 14. He was talking about preparing a dwelling place in John 14. Preparing a dwelling place. That's right, Steve. Dwelling place was the Greek word mone, and it's used two times in the whole New Testament. And both those times is in John 14. And we started out in 14.2, but this time let's start out in 14.23. Oh, okay. I like that. At least we'll get the good news out first. Yeah. Yeah. Hitting it from the reverse angle. So verse 23 Okay, in John fourteen twenty three, Jesus is replying to a series of questions. It says, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. That's the Monet word, our yes. dwelling place with them. Yes. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Any problems there there so far that you see, Steve? You, you mean, do I see a, 
problem with what Jesus just said? I see a glaring problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's no one none qualifies. who does good. No, not one. Romans 3.10. There's none who does good. No, not one. There is none who seeks me. No obedience. How about love me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Paul saying, the wishing to do good is in me, but the doing of good is not. And, and in First John, it says that this is love, not that, that we love God, but right. that he loved us. Right, right. So do you see now how important Jesus said in verse 2, I go to prepare a place for you. He's got to prepare us, not a mansion for us. He's preparing us as the dwelling place for him to abide. In other words, he has to prepare us. How does he do that? He makes us holy and blameless in God's sight so that God can dwell in us by his spirit. How does he make us holy and blameless in God's sight? Well, he dies on the cross, which he was telling the disciples he was going to do. Then he goes to the Father, which is in the third heaven. He goes to the Father and he sheds his blood on the altar in heaven, which Hebrews 8, 9, and 10 tells us all about. And then he has us all as fully paid our sin debt, and we are clean vessels able to be inhabited by Jesus, because that's the next thing Jesus does is ask the Father to send him back in spiritual form so that he can live in us because he has just cleansed us from all our unrighteousness, which is exactly what the old covenant said, your sins and lawless deeds I'll remember no more. And that's because they were paid in full and we are seen by God as clean and perfect holy brides without blemish made ready made ready he made us ready so when he said i go to prepare a place for you that is what he did he went into the third heaven and did what he did in front of god and asked to be sent back down by the holy spirit in the form of the holy spirit and then he sat down at the right hand of god That's exactly what it says in Hebrews. After he made purification for sin, after he made us ready by purifying us, by washing us, he sat down. That work is complete. We are prepared vessels. So when it says, I go to prepare a place for you, when he sat down after purification from sin, that preparing a place from you is finished. finished. That's why he sat down. He rested because the work was complete. So now we are prepared dwelling places in the Father's house down here on earth, meaning in the church. We are the church that is prepared for Jesus to come back to in spiritual form. And we get the mystery 
of all mysteries throughout all generations, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. Man. Which is Paul's teachings. And they're, they're all going to blend together now. They're all going to make sense. They're all going to be saying the same thing. And so as far as the mansion thing... It just was a wrong, it's a wrong turn. It, they should have never put that in there. And that's what veils us. That's what veils us to the fact that he was preparing us to be the vessel that he was going to carry out the rest of God's eternal purpose through. He was coming back in spiritual form to live in each and every one of us because we were born again. That's what it means to be born again. His spirit now lives in each and every one of us. And Jesus is back on earth doing the rest of the Father's will. He's just doing it through us, the people that he prepared to make his abode in. Now that's good news, Steve. That's good news. Otherwise, what I used to think was that he he died, he paid my sin debt, now he's building a house for me in heaven, and in the meantime, live live on earth the best you can and don't sin. Right, even though it took him six days to create an entire universe, it's taken him 2,000 years to create my pad. Even then, it says that it took them 46 years to build the temple that temple that was standing when Jesus yeah. gave his speech yeah. in John 2 tear yes. down this yes. temple yes. but let's get back on track with what this gospel is telling us and what Jesus was saying to the disciples that night and how it lines up with this gospel that we are learning about let me just read to you 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, and then I'll explain. Okay. Verse 9, 1 Corinthians 2. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared. Same exact word as used in John fourteen two. I go to prepare a place for you. Yes, okay? yes. It's literally make ready. The The word prepared is literally make ready. To make ready. Yes. So he's saying no mind has understood what I went to make ready. Went right. up to heaven to make ready for. And what I prepared. was making ready was to make it clean and forgiven and sanctified and set apart so that he could give his spirit. And dwell in it by his spirit. He prepared us. And this is saying no eye has seen. It can't even imagine what he did. Right. And until the cross, until his death, burial, and resurrection, no eye had seen, no ear had heard, no thought had ever entered into the mind of anyone what God has prepared for those who love him. So I'm going to go back to 6. This is God's mystery, okay? Secret. Okay. okay. It's a secret. It's been hidden. I think you're right on track with what I was just thinking. What were you just thinking? Uh, about if the rulers and authorities had known this, they wouldn't yes. have crucified him. If they would have known what he was talking about in that 
upper room discourse, they wouldn't have crucified him. No, they wouldn't. And Maybe they thought it was mansions too. <laughs> Could have. But God hid that from them yes. on purpose. They could not have known. No, because I think it's really important. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So he's talking about the, the Pharisees and scribes, the the people in charge, even the Roman government. The hotshots. Yeah. The know The know The ones in the know. Yeah. Yes. And having the authority and power. The rulers. Yes. Did not know this. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age did understand it for if they had what your point was Steve they would not have crucified the Lord of glory that would have been a bad thing it would have prevented him from preparing us to be vessels that he lives in yes because it was not God that put Jesus on the cross it was sinful men that he was handed over to and he could have prevented it at any time yes you remember when they went to arrest him, they said, who are you? And he said, I am mm-hmm. the name of God. Knocked them all down. Yeah. It says a cohort went to arrest him. A Roman co- cohort is 600 people. Yes. And the rulers of the, the Sanhedrin and all the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Not easily a small crowd. Yeah. Not a small crowd. Easily seven, 800 people. Yeah. And all against the little, 12 disciples little did they know that 600 really wasn't enough unless he went along willingly because he knocked them down with just those words they all fell backwards yes yes but back to our point if the rulers and authorities back then would have known that jesus was telling the disciples let your heart not be troubled, but I'm going to die on the cross, be buried, raise again, and then be ascend up to the third heaven where I will prepare you and make you clean vessels that I can use, instruments of mine, and then I will come back down in spiritual form and live in you and be none other than Christ in you, the hope of glory. If they would have known that, they they would not have crucified him. Out. No, they, they would, would not have crucified them. Jesus even said this, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. No, they're doing something good. They think they are. They, in a whole yeah, different yeah. way. but in, in a whole different way. But he says, what no eye has seen what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Remember Jesus said, I'm going to send the spirit. Yes. And in that day, he will make known things to you. Yes. First thing he's going to make known to you is that 
you are in me and I am in you and we are in the Father. That's so you saying. have the whole Trinity making their abode with him. In him. In, in, in him. In, in, in the him. disciples. In each individual person. Yes. And we make up the house corporately. All the Christians on earth make up what is thought to be a Christian house or a body, the body of Christ corporately, when, when you're talking on those terms. But we also individually are the house that God lives in. Yes. When you're talking on the, that level. Yes, the spirit that tabernacled amongst them and shall be in them. Even it, Jesus himself said "I'm that Jesus came and tabernacled amongst us. Yes. But yes. now he's, he's blowing their mind. He's saying, Paul is, and saying, the spirit is going to reveal something to you that no human eye, ear, or ever entered into the mind of anyone what God has prepared. And, First, that, and that means nobody had ever thought of that. No zero, zero people thought that it he says was, it never entered the mind no, of anyone. No, nobody on the planet ever conceived that God was going to prepare us and then put his spirit in us and start this new covenant. Even though in Ezekiel, he said, I'm making a new covenant with you. And in that day, I will give you a new heart and put my spirit in you. Wow. They were fulfilling that covenant, yet nobody conceived what was happening. It took the Spirit to reveal it to us. Yes. And it took a making of ready of ourselves to put for the Spirit, the spirit in. In, into us. Yes. So you see how it's fitting together now, Steve? Yeah. Doesn't it fit together like a masterpiece? It does. That's what we were trying to say. We weren't trying to trash the idea of mansions. We were trying to bring out this revelation of how Jesus in that upper room was telling the disciples how he's going to make the new covenant. He said the new covenant is predicated on me living inside of you. Face-to-face fellowship. Yes. That was what we harped on in First John. If we yes. missed the meaning of this letter, which was that he wants to have fellowship with the Father and Son in us. In us. Same thing here. Yes. Same author, actually. Yes. As John. Yes. Let me go on a little further, Steve, in verse 10. I'm still in 1 Corinthians 2, 10. These are the things God has revealed to us by careful Bible study. Yeah, right. No, No, it doesn't say that. It does not. It says by his spirit. His spirit that he gave us on the day of Pentecost and that he told the disciples about in that upper room in John 14. That spirit. That's the spirit that says, and that day you will know that I'm in you. Yes. It is all saying the same thing. That he wants to abide in us. Yes. And do tabernacle in us and do for us what we can't do for ourselves. We are the temple not made with human hands. We we are that temple. That Say that louder, in. Bill. That that's that's what we haven't said loud enough yet. We are that temple that was made without human hands. We are 
the temple of God, and he lives in us now. Isn't that what it says in 1 Corinthians? Don't you know that you are the temple of God, and he Verbatim. lives in you by his spirit? It does say that in, in 316, Acts, I think. And in Acts 7, he says this, there were these earthly tabernacles, and they were pictures yes. and types. Yes. But they weren't the real thing. They weren't. We are the real thing. We are where he tabernacles permanently. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He is inside of us, and he's going nowhere. And he's going to make us shine and live. Permanently, you're right. Yeah, permanently. He's going to make us shine and live the Christian life that we always wanted to if we'll just stop trying to live the Christian life and let him do it and give him the credit. Slave does not have a permanent place in the house. Right. But we do. But we do. We are his children. So let me try it again. Verse 10. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? And likewise, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God Amen. within them. So, the Spirit of man knows the spirit, the thoughts of man, but the Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. So, that makes sense. That we, we need the Spirit of God to know what God is thinking, his thoughts. And it makes sense that we now have that Spirit of us, because he says, you've got the mind of Christ right there in that passage. Same. But it makes sense that we have the Spirit of God because that's what Jesus was telling the disciples in that upper room discord. I'm going to prepare you and make you white as snow so that I can dwell in you, and then I'm going to come and dwell in you and do for you what you can't do for yourself. I'm going to start the new covenant. So let me finish this thought, Steve, in verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world or the cosmos, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Freely giving us. Isn't that the definition of grace? Yes, yes, yes. His spirit. He freely gave us his spirit, which is a big dose of grace. It's the things freely given us. This we speak in the words taught us, not taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual words. And back to your point earlier, Steve. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we now have the mind of Christ. We now have the mind of Christ. Because we have the Spirit. And Jesus told us in John 14 how we got the mind of Christ. He said, I'll prepare you, and I'll go up to heaven, and I'll send myself back in spiritual form, and I will live in you, and you will have the mind of Christ. Amen. The, the gospel can be... a pretty clear message and, and it says it over and over and over to us again but it gets really complicated or veiled 
when we use words like mansion. Do you see how much that throws us off the beaten path to use that word mansion? It doesn't allow us to see these present tense realities that we can enjoy. Yes. Because we're looking for something. Right, right. We can learn how to fellowship. Bill can fellowship with Steve and Steve can fellowship with Bill and it can be Jesus fellowshipping with himself. Steve can fellowship with Jesus that's in Bill and Bill can fellowship with Jesus that's in Steve and it makes their joy complete. They can have fun fellowshipping, but if they didn't realize what Jesus was telling the disciples in John chapter 14, that passage before he was going to the cross, if they didn't realize that they would not know that they can fellowship with the God of the universe through whoever comes to fellowship with them. That's Trinitarian fellowship. (laughs) Bill, yeah. Have you been reading your scholarly books again? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You knew that wasn't my thought. Yeah, that's funny, though. It's funny. But that's what it is. Fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Spirit that we can enjoy. Right. Make my joy complete, as Gospel of, I mean, 1 John 1 says. Yeah. There can be no First John if we didn't understand what Jesus was telling the disciples in John 14. If we thought he was building us mansions, we missed it altogether. So let's look at maybe John chapter, I think it's for the woman at the well. Okay, take us there, Bill. Take us to John chapter 4. So in John chapter 4, it's a scene where Jesus sends the disciples to get food, and he's thirsty, so he goes to a well, Jacob's well, it says. And in verse 7, it says, There was a Samaritan woman who came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that ask you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our fathers Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Sounds satisfying, doesn't it? Yeah, amen. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands and the man who is with you now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. The woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, 
she changes the subject. He gets a little personal with her. Yes. And he's not judging her. Not judging her. Because he knows he's, he's going to make her ready to receive this living water. Yes. But he, he says, you are right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And the guy now is just living with you. You're not even trying to get married anymore. And he lets this woman change the subject, doesn't he? Yes. She says, I think you're a prophet. Meaning, you're getting a little personal. (laughs) Then she says, let me ask you a question. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. You see that word place, Steve? Yeah, yeah. You know it's the same word? Mm -hmm. He says, I go to prepare a A place place for you. you. Yeah. Same exact word and same meaning. It's hidden in here. Verse 21, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship meaning Jews, what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews, meaning this picture of this message was in type and shadow form from the Jewish nation. Exactly. So we know a little about it, but we don't know the reality of it. Exactly. We know the outward form of it. Jesus is fixing to tell us, though. So he's saying... The Jews are correct. We do worship in the temple in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. the but, Father's house. But he's going to make a big point about this place. Exactly. So, because he says, but it's coming a time when it you won't go to this place called the temple, the or, house of God to worship. Or the mountain. Or the mountain. No. You will be the place. You will be the place. The true worshipers will worship in spirit. That's what he meant when he said, I'll send the Holy Spirit. Spirit. The the Spirit would be in you, and you'd be worshiping in the power of Jesus and not the power of your own human nature. So he says, yet a time is coming in has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am. He told her, he said, you're and going, she knew. You're going to worship in, in spirit, in the spirit's power, not your own human determination. And it doesn't matter where you worship, a mountain or a temple, that doesn't matter because your worship is coming right out of you who are the temple by the Holy Spirit's power to worship. The Holy Spirit can worship God better than Steve Lenart can worship God. And the Holy Spirit is true and not counterfeit. And notice how she says, we know that the Messiah come and will explain everything. 
yeah. she, somehow she knew that. Right. And that's what Jesus said. The Spirit will come and he'll explain everything. Yes. And yes. teach you everything. And Jesus was explaining to him exactly the new covenant where you worship in the power of the Holy Spirit and not your own human power. That's exactly what he was telling her. The new covenant all over. The Bible is saturated with places in which Jesus described the new covenant. Both this lady at the well and John chapter 14, it's still a description of the new covenant. Yes, and I can't overemphasize this. No. She says, which place? Yes. The same thing he said in John, I'm going to prepare a, a place. place. And she says, which place? place? And he says, neither that place or the current temple site no. is the place. You are the place. You are the place. Isn't that wild? Yeah, because he went to the third heaven and prepared you to be the place. That's the gospel. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible that he tabernacles, he dwells in us, he fellowships in us and through us. Yes, and we get to experience him. We get to experience his life flowing through us. Is that not better than a mansion somewhere? It, it is better than a mansion. That Paul said it was. He said, I lost all things in view of of the surpassing value of experiencing Christ. I gave up all things to be able to experience Christ because that was the Ultimate. most precious commodity on the planet, the ability to experience Christ. So here's this woman who he says, if you drink the water I give you, you'll never thirst. And obviously, five husbands, and she's living with the six. She's never seems to be satisfied, does she? No. And that's a hint for us. If we're constantly seeking satisfaction, maybe we need this living water. Yes, we need. And the spirit is this living water. Isn't the spirit that, satisfies? Isn't that what? It said in John chapter 7 when Jesus just stood up in the middle of a crowd of people and started yes. yelling out, if anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and I will give him living water and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And then it says, by this he was talking about the Holy Spirit. No, duh. Of course he's talking about the Holy Spirit. That's what he talks about, that he's going to put his spirit in you to do for you what you can't do for yourself. He also said something else. By this he was talking about the spirit which had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified, which means he, he hadn't given it because we had not yet been made ready. We were we were not prepared yet. We hadn't been prepared yet by Jesus. Only Jesus could prepare us. So hopefully you realize that John chapter 14 was not talking about mansions, but it was talking about the inauguration of the new covenant, which means he was going to put his spirit in us. And 
we were going to do the way of life in Christ Jesus, which Paul taught everywhere in every church. That's what we're supposed to teach now, a way of life in Christ Jesus, using his power to do for us what we so desperately try to do for ourselves but fall short. He does for us what we can't do for ourselves. So with that in mind, I would like to just pray for this podcast. So Father, enlighten our eyes and enlighten our ears because no human eye has seen and no human ear has heard what you have prepared for your saints, Father. You've prepared us to be vessels for you to live in. That's the greatest thing we could ever be prepared for. Reveal this by your Spirit. Reveal it to us by your Spirit, Father. Reveal it to us by your Spirit. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know this power that you have for us to live by. This thing called grace, which is the same as this thing called the Spirit of God. Allow us to live by your grace or your Spirit, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask for these things. Amen. Amen. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Love you guys.